Good morning. Today's reading is from Acts, chapter 15, verses 22 through 31. Listen to God's word. Then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barsabas, and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. With them they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to conform to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it, and were glad for its encouraging message. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Thank you, Jerry. Would you please uh, bow your heads and pray with me for just a moment? Thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to let your Holy Spirit minister to us through your word. We are open and receptive and asking that you would do what you always do when we're open and receptive. Speak to our hearts, challenge, encourage, instruct, and remind us of what is true. Empower us to go out and live it as your people. We thank you for this time. In the name of Christ our Lord, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You ever seen the movie Field of Dreams? came out in 1989. That was a long time ago, but it's a great movie. A movie about a, an Iowa corn farmer named Ray Kinsella who uh, is on his farm and he decides to turn a big section of his cornfield into a baseball field. And he's doing this out of obedience to a whisper, a voice that he keeps hearing saying, if you build it, he will come. And so Ray begins to build this field, and he, he's not sure if he's losing his mind. He's not sure if he's doing the right thing. Some of his family and friends are wondering. He's facing a lot of financial hardship, a lot of pressures coming upon him to, to not do this. But he continues anyway because he thinks it's what he's supposed to do. And then eventually when the field is built, some amazing things begin to happen. And uh, Ray realized he uh, did, in fact, do the right thing by following his convictions. Uh, but... Uh, there's that opening scene early on in the movie, uh, not the opening scene, but early in the movie, where uh, Ray is out in the cornfield and he hears that voice for the first time. I want us to, to watch that together. Let's watch. Now, when I see that scene from the movie, I think about what that must have been like to be out there in the cornfield hearing the voice. But I also wonder, because I'm a pastor, what, what, what is it like to hear the voice of God? Now, I know in the movie, that wasn't the voice of God. That was the voice voice of Shoeless Joe Jackson, a deceased baseball player. But 
we're all here today in part because we have a fundamental conviction that God does, in fact, find a way to speak to us. And we want to experience what the Bible promises, that we can receive the word that God is speaking to us and put into action in our lives and be a blessing to others as we ourselves are blessed through obedience. But but what exactly does that really look like? I mean, don't you wish you could go out into a cornfield in the cool of the evening and just walk around and wait until God speaks to you? And maybe he does sometimes, but how do you know for sure? I want to welcome you back to a series that uh, we began last week called Every Player Needs a Coach. And in this series, we're looking at the, the ministry and the function of the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life. There is a Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, who has come to dwell in the hearts and minds and souls of believers who have accepted Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is like our coach. Remember last week we talked about how Jesus told the disciples when the Holy Spirit would come, the Holy Spirit would be in them to teach and instruct and remind them. And he used that word advocate or counselor in the Greek parakletos, which means someone who is a mentor, a guide, an instructor, a helper, a coach. And so we're using sports kind of as an analogy, right? If, if living the Christian life is a game, you and I who are Christ followers, we're the athletes or the players, and our coach is the Holy Spirit and our team is the church. And we're, we're trying to understand what does it look like to let the Holy Spirit be at work in us and through us as the people of God trying to live faithfully to God in this generation. And today we're going to talk about this idea of hearing from God through the Holy Spirit. Because the things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do to teach and instruct and remind, to guide, that implies some form of communication. Our coach wants to communicate with us. But how do we know when the Holy Spirit is speaking? How do we hear? Well, uh, if you have your Bible with you, I'd encourage you to turn to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. We're encouraging folks to bring their Bibles. And... Uh, want to talk a little bit about this particular passage. You know, the book of Acts in the New Testament is sometimes called the Acts of the Apostles, but it would be better understood as the Acts of the Holy Spirit because the main character is not the Apostles. The main character is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is working through the Apostles, through the early church, and we're learning how the Holy Spirit operates. And in this particular chapter 15, a controversy has been brewing in the early church. Can you imagine the church going through controversy? And the church is going through a very interesting controversy. Early on, the, all of the first Christians were Jewish. Remember, Jesus was Jewish, the disciples were Jewish. All of the first Christians were Jewish, and Christianity sprung out of the Jewish community. But then it began to spread outside the Jewish community, and non-Jews, who were called Gentiles, began accepting Christ, receiving the Holy Spirit, and wanting to become part of the church. Now a big question came about. How do these non-Jewish Gentiles become part of the church? Do they first have to become Jewish and follow the Jewish dietary laws and ceremonial laws and on all those rules and regulations that the Jews followed? Do the Jews have, do the Gentiles have to follow all those Jewish laws in order to be Christians as well? And one law in particular was of concern to some of the men. And that had to do with circumcision. Today in, in our world, circumcision is a fairly common uh, procedure on, on little infant children and uh, whether you're Jewish or not. A lot of people uh, believe that circumcision is something you should do uh, to male children. But in this day, in the day of, of, of Acts, it was only the Jewish children that got circumcised. So all these Jew these Gentile, non-Jewish 
men who wanted to become part of the church, one of the big questions is, do I have to get circumcised? And this was a real problem for the Gentile men, as you could imagine. Let me put it this way. When the church was having new member class, only women and children were showing up. The men were waiting in the car in the parking lot, wondering how long is there, are they going to be in there, right? And so the, the, there was a group called the Judaizers who went around to the non-Jewish churches, the Gentile churches, saying, oh yes, you've got to be circumcised, you've got to become a full Jew, and you've got to follow the Jewish laws in order to be a Christian. But when the disciples and the church leaders met together in what's known as the Jerusalem Council, as they fought and prayed and discerned the Holy Spirit's wisdom on this, they said, no, no. All the dietary laws and the ceremonial laws that you read about in the Old Testament, they were fulfilled in Jesus. And you don't, if you're not a Jew, you don't have to follow all those. In fact, even the Jews began to, to no longer, the Jewish Christians began to no longer follow many of these laws because they were fulfilled in Jesus. Now, the, 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 the moral law, like the Ten Commandments and the sexual purity laws, they were still in place. But a lot of these ceremonial uh, laws and these uh, other customs that the, the Jews had practiced uh, over the years, the Jerusalem Council said, no, you, you don't have to follow that. And so they, they put all this down in a letter and had uh, godly men, part of the Jerusalem Council, deliver the letter to the various non-Jewish churches to tell them, by the way, you don't have to follow all of these rules and regulations, including circumcision. And the men let out a corporate sigh of relief. Right? But what I want to point out to you is uh, what it says here in verse 28, because I think this is really instructive. Um, it says this, and this is the, in the letter, they say, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols and consuming blood and meat of strangled animals. Now, the reason uh, they're to abstain from that is because uh, meat offered to idols, drinking blood, and strangling animals were part of pagan religious practices in the ancient world, and they wanted them to, to not get involved in pagan worship. So they said, and then also abstain from sexual immorality. And they say, if you do this, you will do well. But notice here in verse 28, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. This again implies that they were hearing from, being guided and directed by the Holy Spirit as they were making their decision. And if you read on in the New Testament, what you discover is there are several places where the Holy Spirit leads, directs, guides, and speaks to people in the early church, helping them move forward in following Jesus and living out the life He's called us to. And that makes sense, because as we said, if the Holy Spirit is our coach, our coach is going to want to communicate to us. The challenge we face as modern-day Christians is, how do you hear from the Holy Spirit? And how do you know it's the Holy Spirit you're hearing from? When I was a kid, I loved those Batman TV shows. The original ones with Adam West, remember the Batman? Uh, whenever Commissioner Gordon wanted to get in touch with Batman, he went to what? The Bat Phone, right? And if, the, if for some reason Batman needed to get in touch with Commissioner Gordon, he went to the Bat Phone. They had this special phone connection that they had. I wish there was the God Phone, the Holy Spirit Phone, right? And we could, we could just have a special phone, and when it rang, we answered, and we'd hear directly from the Holy Spirit. Or when we had a question, we could call... Doesn't work that way for us. But what we are promised in Scripture is that the Holy Spirit can and will speak to us if we'll be open and receptive to that. And there really are many ways in which the Holy Spirit does that. As you study the Scriptures and as you uh, study the saints, the early uh, Christians, and, and even as you have a conversation with people today, you find there's lots of ways the Holy Spirit wants to communicate with you and me. 
through prayer and fasting. When we pray and fast, the Holy Spirit will speak to us in our prayers and, and in our fasting. When, when we go to godly counselors who, who are uh, trustworthy and, and they, they listen for the Holy Spirit and they help us sort through issues and talk us through issues and help us make wise decisions, that's another way that, that we're encouraged to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will speak through other people to us sometimes. Sometimes it's through songs or stories or circumstances, lots of ways the Holy Spirit can speak to us if we're open and receptive to it. Sometimes even through a sermon, the Holy Spirit can speak to us. But because our time is short today, I just want to highlight two ways you and I can put ourselves in a position to be led by, guided by, spoken to by the Holy Spirit. Two basic fundamental disciplines, if we will practice them on a regular basis, will help us begin to discern and hear the Spirit speaking in our hearts and in our lives. And here's the first one. The regular reading and studying of the Bible. Let's just start there. To spend time in the Scriptures. There's a reason why we call this the Word of God. Because God uses the Scriptures to communicate to us. But we've got to be in the Scriptures to be able to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And one of the ways we know the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us, one of the signs that you have the Holy Spirit living in you, you'll have a desire, a hunger, to learn the Scriptures. To read them, to meditate upon them, to, to study them, to try to make sense of them. Psalm 119.37 puts it this way. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Psalm 119.105 puts it this way. Thy word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. God wants to guide you and me through the Scriptures. But here's the, here's the deal. Over time, we can begin to lose our hunger, lose our desire, lose our passion for reading and studying the Bible. Parents, if you've got children, as a Christ follower, one of your fundamental responsibilities as a parent is to help your children begin to have a, an interest, a hunger, a desire to learn the Word of God. And it requires more than just dropping them off in Sunday school for an hour every now and then on Sunday. It requires something that we do in the home to help nurture and instill the desire for the children to begin to come to know and love God's Word. Hey, it's hard work. And we're living in a time in American culture where it's really hard. In fact, we're living in a time today where many American Christians don't know much about the Bible. Uh, Dr. Stephen Prothero, who's an expert in... uh, Uh, the Christian religion and and culture. He's a professor at Boston University. He's done extensive research in this. And uh, he talks about the fact that the current adult generation in America today, those of us who are adults, our current generation knows less about the Bible than any previous generation in America. We we aren't as familiar with the the teachings of Jesus, the, the stories of the Bible, the main characters, the main messages, the main themes. And I don't say that to make us feel guilty about it. But what I'm trying to point out is, if we are struggling to hear the Holy Spirit and discern the will and the way of God in our lives, this might be a good place to start. Because this is where God often starts with us. Through His Scriptures, through through the words. Now, now there's a reason why we struggle to read and understand the Bible. There are good reasons for it. Uh, part of it is, we, we have busy schedules and we, we don't make time for it. Part of it is, when we do have time, other things are more attractive, like... Video games or the web or TV or movies or other forms of entertainment. And then we do try to read the Bible. Let's say we get all hyped up. I'm going to read and study the Bible. We start reading it and there's parts we do not understand. There are parts that don't even make sense. And there are parts that might even be a little bit offensive 
to our own viewpoints and opinions. And if you've never sat under a very skilled and inspiring Bible teacher to help unfold the Scriptures to you, then then you, you might think, man, the Bible's just not worth studying. Not only that, have you ever come across people who seem to know a lot about the Bible? They can quote you chapter and verse, and they can talk about the Bible, and they can tell you about the Bible, but their personality was sour and dour, and they seemed unloving, and they were judgmental, and you thought, man, if that's what the Bible does to people, I don't want any part of it. See, all of these objections are real, but they can be overcome. Some parts of the Bible are difficult to understand, absolutely. Some parts are probably more relevant for our lives than other parts, but but even the parts that are confusing, if we begin to understand the context and the meaning of words and what's going on, they start to make sense. And, and there, there are commentaries and teachers who can help us. But here's the bottom line. Let's not let the parts of the Bible we can't understand keep us from the parts we can understand. Because there's a lot in the Bible we actually can understand and learn and grow from. And here's the good news. As we begin to learn and grow in the areas that we do understand the Bible we start to build up a knowledge base that helps us to understand the parts that we struggle to understand. Best of all, what really comes from studying the Bible is not just Bible knowledge or Bible understanding. Best of all, we begin to learn how to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us through the words of Scripture. When we come to the Bible, humbly, openly, regularly, we discover that the Holy Spirit does in fact speak words to us that help us become the people we were meant to be. That's what our coach does. I have two opportunities for you to think about and pray about in the weeks and months ahead. First of all, starting in June here at Ebenezer, during the sermon time every Sunday, we're going to spend an entire year, an entire year studying Jesus. His life, His teachings, His miracles. We're going to just spend a year focused on Jesus and the four Gospels. That's a great place to start. So I want to encourage you to, to be uh, thinking and praying about being a part of our church starting in, in June for the next... We'll be part of our church all the time. But especially in June for the next year, we're going to read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to read them together. We're going to study the life of Jesus because Jesus is central to the Christian faith. And once we understand Jesus, then we begin to understand other parts of the Bible better as well. Another opportunity we have for you is in the fall, we do a disciple Bible study here, which is about a 32, 34 week uh, through the Bible kind of course, and uh, it involves uh, reading the Bible. In fact, when you finish with that class, you'll have a very good working knowledge of Scripture. So that's coming up in the fall, you'll be hearing more about that, we have some instructors going to help us with that, but uh, all of that is coming up. Here's my point, we want to be the church, the kind of church where people are interested in and learning and growing in the Scriptures. Because that's how the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and me. That's one big way. Now, here's another way. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and me through receiving and responding to inner promptings. And I want to talk about this because people get a little uncomfortable, a little bit squirrely when we start talking about inner promptings. But the Bible talks about God speaking in a still, small voice. It's not usually audible like in the cornfields and field of dreams, but we can start hearing the voice and discerning the voice of the Lord And the voice of the Holy Spirit in our spirits, in our minds, through our thoughts, through our impressions. It's a fairly common way the Spirit speaks to us, but a lot of times we're not sure if it's the Spirit or not. And that's again why it's important to be in the Word, because the Word will confirm what the Spirit is saying to us. Sometimes we struggle with this because we've been around kind of spiritual people 
who use this kind of language all the time and say, hey, the Lord told me this, and the Lord led me to this, and the Lord said that. And, and we always wonder, well, how do you know for sure it's the Lord? How do you not know if it's just what you want and you're just kind of putting God's name on it? Right? Yeah, you hear the joke about the pastor who got a call from his district superintendent. And the district superintendent said to the pastor, hey, uh, I want to move you to a new church. There's a, there's a new opportunity for you and just want to see if you're interested in it. I want to tell you about it. That, that, this new church is twice as large as the church you're at right now. The salary is twice as much. You'll have an amazing office. You're going to be in a really nice neighborhood. It's going to be really a, a, a big step up for you. I, I want you to, to consider going. And the pastor says, okay, let me, let me pray and ask the Holy Spirit. The pastor hangs up. He says, honey, uh, they want us to consider moving to a bigger church with more. Pe-. I'll tell you what, I, I'm going to go pray about the Holy Spirit. You go pack. Sometimes we wonder when opportunities become available or when something comes into our life and it's something we we think we want, something we think we like. Is this the Holy Spirit inviting me to step into this opportunity or receive this as a blessing? Or or how do I know? Pastor Greg Groeschel tells a story about when he was in college, his roommate developed a big crush on a girl in his chemistry class. And, uh, you know, he... He began thinking that maybe because he had this crush on this girl that, that, that it was the Holy Spirit leading him to this woman and maybe she was going to be his wife and he, he had a dream about it one night and he just became convinced that this was the woman God had picked out for him that to, to be his wife and he needed to get her phone number and ask her out. So one day after class, he goes up to her and he says, you know, I feel like the Holy Spirit has drawn us together and, and that, that the Lord's telling me you, you're supposed to be my wife and then I'm, I'm wondering, would you give me your phone number so I can call you and we can get together and she said, oh, the Lord told you all that. He said, yes. He said, well, when the Lord tells me to give you my phone number, I will. <laughs> so you see the kind of challenges we face when it comes to hearing from the Holy Spirit. And I will acknowledge sometimes that it's not always easy to discern the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And when, when it's more uh, clear and sometimes it's not so clear, but Here's what I've discovered. When you learn to be obedient to the Scriptures and when you learn to step out where you think the Spirit is leading you, you, you learn from those experiences. And God usually shows up. Even if you get it wrong, even if you think this is what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, and it's consistent with the Scriptures, it's always got to be consistent with the Scriptures, and you step out in there and, and you try that and it doesn't work out the way you thought, but, well, God will still bless you and you, you'll learn from that and you'll, you'll, you'll begin to refine how you understand the Holy Spirit at work. I bet you've had those experiences. I bet if you're like me, you can look back over your life and you can recall times where you just had this, this inner sense that, that the Lord was asking you to call somebody. Somebody was on your heart and on your mind. So you called them and you found out, wow, they, they really needed a friend. Or the Lord gave you a sense you needed to send somebody a card and you did. And you heard later about how that card blessed them and ministered to them. Or maybe you got an invitation to an event and you weren't sure about it, but you felt like the Spirit was drawing you there and you went and you met somebody that, that opened up a door of opportunity to you somewhere. See, here's the deal. If you just try to be obedient to what you think the Spirit is calling you to do and, and, you're, and what you're doing is consistent with the Scriptures, God will show up and do great things. We're getting ready to take a mission trip to Costa Rica at the end of May. And when we had our first meeting for folks who were interested to, we asked folks, why are you interested in going to Costa Rica on a mission trip? And we had several people in the group say, I, I can't really explain why, other than I just felt like when I heard about this opportunity, I, I had this inner sense that this was something that the Lord was 
inviting me to do, and I felt the Spirit leading. Now, was that the Spirit leading? We don't know for sure, but but God bless these people for taking a step and saying, I think this is where the Lord is leading me. I think this is what the Holy Spirit is asking me to do. And, and they do it. So my best advice is, when you sense the Holy Spirit might be leading you to do something, and it's not inconsistent with the Word of God, and it's going to be a blessing to you and others, and go ahead and take that step, and, and it'll please the Lord, and you'll learn from it. You know, uh, this past January, we had a monster snowstorm. Remember that? Came in on a Friday and snowed all night Friday, all day Saturday and into Sunday. We canceled church. Schools were out for that whole week. Quite a storm. Almost two feet of snow dumped in our area. And I remember, I remember getting settled in on Friday afternoon. We, we'd run some errands. We got in. We kind of, uh, you know, got ready to hibernate. Because all the news, they were, what were they saying on the news all the time? Stay off the roads, stay off the roads, stay off the roads. So we were going to stay off the roads. And we were settled in and woke up Saturday morning. There was probably already a foot of snow on the ground. And so I get my snow shovel and I bundle up and I go out in the middle of the storm to shovel my sidewalk and my driveway because the way I figure it, at my age, it's better to shovel twice than try to wait till it's all done and shovel all at once. All right, so... I'm out there and the snow shoveling and the wind's starting to blow and it's getting colder and I finally finish and I come in and I'm, I'm surprised how tired I am and, uh, I'm wet and so I, I, I go get a nice warm shower, put on some warm clothes, I make myself a cup of coffee and I go sit in my easy chair and I'm just relaxing for a minute and then my dog Matt start, starts barking at the front door and I, I didn't hear a knock or anything, so I go to see what, what it is. And I look out the window of my front door, and there, right in front of our house, is a car stuck in the snow. And there, there's a young woman behind the wheel, and then there's this guy who's her husband. He's pushing, and she's gassing, and it's just sliding. It's not going, because we live at the bottom of a hill. And, and in order to get up, you know, you need some traction. And they couldn't get any traction. And they were stuck. And I looked at that, and I looked at my dog, and I said, What are they doing out there? Did they not hear the news? Stay off the roads. What kind of fool goes out in a storm like this? So I go back and I sit down and relax, start sipping my coffee. And uh, you know where this is going. My wife comes down the stairs, looks out the front door, walks by me in my chair, and she said, hey, have you noticed there's a, there's a couple out there that looks like they're stuck? And I said, yeah, Mac's going crazy. And she says, well... Aren't you going to go out and help them? I said, no. <laughs> they made a critical... They need to learn from their mistakes, right? <laughs> They're stuck out there. Let them be stuck. They'll figure it out. Hey, if they really need help, they'll come knock on our door. And Lynn just kind of does this, huh, and walks on by. And I look, I said, you, do you think I, need, I should go out and help them? And she does this. She goes, well, Reverend Miller... <laughs> What do you think? Well, here's what I've discovered in my life. When the Holy Spirit is prompting me to do something and I'm not real responsive, He sends my wife in as reinforcements. <laughs> so, to make a long story short, a couple minutes later, I'm back dressed up in my winter gear. I'm back out there with a shovel. And now it's really getting cold. The wind is really whipping. And we are really struggling to get this car out. And it's miserable out there. It took an hour. In fact, my wife eventually came out. It took us an hour to get that car up the hill, go a little bit, and then get stuck again, go a little bit. Have you ever noticed sometimes when you're obeying the, 
the prompting of the Holy Spirit and you kind of think in your mind, oh, it'll be quick and easy and everything will be great and I'll feel good. No, this wasn't one of those cases. Sometimes when you obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit, things actually get a little harder. I don't know why that is. But I thought about that experience and and I wondered, did the Holy Spirit really prompt me to do that? Yeah, I don't know for sure. Maybe the Lord knew I needed a sermon illustration some Sunday. Maybe the Lord was trying to test me to see, hey, Mark, are you going to do something for me that you don't want to do, but you're going to do it out of obedience? Maybe. I will tell you this. When I went out there and started helping, the young lady driving the car rolled down her window and thanked me, and she said, I was just praying that God would send some angels. So maybe I was just an answer to her prayer. Here's what I know. You don't always know. But when you sense the Spirit is prompting you, and you choose, maybe with a little encouragement, to step out in obedience, good things happen. And God uses you and blesses others. It's not exactly like hearing a voice in a cornfield, but it's real. And the bottom line is the Holy Spirit wants to be our coach. And uh, we have to learn to listen to our coach. And here are two primary ways. Studying the Scriptures, learning the Bible, learning what God's wisdom is, and then following those promptings when we get them, trusting that God will bless us. The Holy Spirit wants to communicate. Our job is to be in a position to listen and then to respond in obedience. Ultimately, that will bless others. It will honor the Lord. And it will help us become the people we were meant to be.